0: Hey and hello! Welcome to Nordic Insights, where I introduce you to high-achieving Nordics and Nordic-inspired people with niche expertise in business, lifestyle, education, innovation, tech, travel, and more. I'm your host Satu Raunola, a Finn passionate about all things Nordic, as well as yoga, running, sustainability, well-being, and great coffee. Listen in for some tips on Nordic approaches to a happier and more holistic business and personal life. Join me to explore Nordic common sense and trends in this complex world. This podcast is delivered to you every Wednesday. Getting retrends during COVID-19 can be truly devastating especially when it happens during your maternity leave. This happened to my guest Susan Galvin, who got retrenched in March this year after giving birth to her firstborn only a few months earlier. Instead of becoming paralyzed by the challenge, she decided to start her own startup and design her own watch brand by using Kickstarter funding. Susan talks about her journey to becoming a watchmaker in Finland and her experience in the luxury watch industry. She has over 10 years' experience working for prestigious global companies such as LVMH and the Swatch Group Omega in the UK and in Australia. So, Susan, what made you interested in watchmaking?
1: Well, it was actually my dad. So, he saw an article in a Finnish newspaper about watchmaking. And um, I was in a point in my life that I needed to kind of think about what's next. So I went after the Finnish high school. Um, I went traveling, and um, I applied for a couple of different places, but I wasn't. Um, it wasn't really successful. What I was thinking about for the future in that point, point. Um, and I went to the it's um, one year art school, and I really took a liking on um, doing things in my hands with my hands. So I was working with the um, uh, tuveries and I thought in that point that I definitely want to continue doing that, if it, not with the jewelries, but definitely something that I can, it's practical. And then came back from traveling and my dad saw, the, saw an article in a newspaper about watchmaking school. And it was actually, a, uh, I think, a female graduated from the watchmaking school and was working abroad. So then he thought, maybe that would be good to me, like I could actually um, do something practical, but also... Have a opportunity of working abroad. So um, yeah, I went to the watchmaking school. Obviously, I did. Um, I was highly appreciating the mechanical movement and the beauty of the mechanical movement as well. So so that kind of led me into that um, process of applying and getting into the watchmaking school. And whilst I was studying, I really took a. I kind of fell in love with the watchmaking itself, and when it comes to the mechanical movement and watches. And so how do you become a
0: certificated uh, watchmaker? So how much do you have to study? And you have also now a lot
1: of experience, but how do you become one? Yeah, so um, in Finland, it's a three-year school, so it's a college. So I went to a three-year school studying watchmaking. So it's a Finnish school of watchmaking. So first you start by um, doing, well, we actually started by doing tools. So you kind of start with um, practicing your um Uh, skills of working with the different tools and materials so that was the first step and from there we went to uh, we started to work with the clocks and um, the third one the third year we actually started to working with the pocket watches and from there to well, actually it was second year we started to work with the pocket watches and third year we started to work with the uh, wrist watches so yeah it's definitely it's, it's, it's a trade so it's something that it's a very highly skilled trade so you need to just to practice and uh, yeah practice your skills.
0: Yeah so when I think of it, it's so detailed and it creates lots of patience so you need some kind of a Certain type of people would do some t- something, some type of work. So, what do you think? What are the like uh, traits or characteristics of a person who would be a watchmaker? Because you have to be so patient and so detailed, and because it's every all the bits are so little, aren't they?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah, definitely. You just say it over there. So, patient. patient is the key in this profession. So, you do need to have a patient because sometimes. Yeah, working with the, s- the smallest, smallest details, it can um, be very time-consuming. So, uh, yeah, patient is absolutely one of the key features that you need to have as a watchmaker. And obviously, um, a- attention to a detail, that's something that you have to be in a somewhat perfectionist with your work. Yeah, so those are probably the two, three what I can think of in the top of my head. That's totally opposite what I am, <laughs> so I admire those traits. <laughs> You have now 10
0: years experience in working for, as a watchmaker and you worked a very prestige company. So you went first to England, didn't you? Yeah,
1: so I, um, after the graduating from the watchmaking school, actually the company approached to the watchmaking school. So it, um, it was LVMH, so they approached to the school and offered the position uh, for the people who were graduating on that year and I was one of the people who applied and got in, and yeah, I started to work over there straight from the school, and I remember, because um, obviously in the school, you do your work, and you have your teachers there to help you, but also it's, it's, you know, you can take your time with something that you're not necessarily, well, you're not in a commercial environment, in a way, so you can just kind of take your time with the work, but then you go to the actually working in a field, that's a completely different story because you do have to produce. So, um, yeah, so it was a kind of swim and sink kind of experience for me. So we went to, from being in a watchmaking school and then started working in our LVMH, we went straight to the chronographs and servicing chronographs. So it was basically just, it's it's a mechanical moment, but it's a, a little bit more complex. Uh, complicated what we were doing in a watchmaking school so um, there's extra layers <laughs> Um yeah so um, it was um, it, it was definitely um experience that I wouldn't I never forget but also it was something that I can uh, cherish because it kind of led me where I'm now
0: yes and you know the brand with uh, Louis Vuitton and Dior and all it's so prestigious a brand so it would have been a huge kind of experience for you to work in a like top leading company which produces all these luxury goods so the obviously education and the, the school you went in finland is very well thought in in this field because if they were interested to get uh, get students from that school
1: yeah absolutely finnish watchmaking school is highly uh, appreciated all the way from switzerland it's a uh, it's a fantastic school, and it's a shame that there's been, right now I think in Finland, there's been uh, problems with um, funding uh, the school, so there's been a risk of uh, continuation for the school, which is, I have to say, coming from the school, it, it would be really devastating to see an end to it.
0: Oh, well, that's uh, not, not good news, so hopefully, mm. hopefully the funding will be organised. So now, then you worked in UK and, you know, you got amazing experience in in this very uh, great, very prestige company. If you think about your Finnishness and your Nordic traits within your character, and you said that it was very challenging for you to jump from, from that school, which was great school, to this very big global company so what do you think what what characteristics have kind of pushed you forward in in your profession
1: well it's definitely the famous finnish sisal. so uh in finland we have the (laughs) sisal, which is very famous in all over the world so persistences so that's definitely one of the keys that um you just don't give up so i remember when i i I went to i started working in manchester and Yes, I mentioned that it was, it was difficult from coming from the school and taking your time with the work and suddenly you're in a completely different working environment that you actually have to produce and also, um, the work that we were kind of requested to do, it was, uh, much, it was challenging on that time. Um, so anyway, so it was definitely the Nordic mentality of I'm not giving up that was, uh, was uh, kind of taking me forward as well. So, yeah, <laughs> persistency definitely that I can see as a Nordic trait.
0: Yeah, that's great to hear. So what do you think in, in that way, what was your contribution in that, you know, with your team and... Uh, with that working environment, you know if you think about your Finnish and knowledgeness and there, there are a lot of traits that we Finns have you know mm-hmm. also traits what what which not not necessarily always are well appreciated, for example, being very direct and wanting to kind of get results fast and all these things. So how did yes. you <laughs> dealt with the, you know your cultural traits when it comes to kind of this working in a cross cultural environment?
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right with that um, straightforwardness. So as a Nordic, we kind of say things as the way they are. So that was a little bit cultural shock in a way that you, well, you can and can't, but I was, uh, yeah, so that was definitely something. But I I think in Finland, what it's a very equal kind of working environment, what we've got. So female and female and male are working at an equal level um regardless of the profession so that was something that I definitely saw that there was um there was differences so um I'm really happy to be so watchmaking is a very male oriented industry but widely to be honest in Switzerland you can see a little bit more female watchmakers versus what we have in Australia however um so I'm really happy that I am working as a female in a male oriented industry and I can um, bring that into the watchmaking world.
0: So you you see that there you just being a woman in that field that you can you can definitely make difference and and get possibly other other women also to to become a watchmakers.
1: Yeah, I would hope so. Um in Australia there's not many female watchmakers at all actually so I've been where I've been working now for um in Australia I've been in both of the work environment I've been the only female working there as a watchmaker so I would hope so that um working um in this field that would kind of if not as an example but also maybe it could encourage other women to kind of consider that as for their future profession. Yeah, absolutely. How welcome
0: are you as a woman to work in that environment? Uh, you know how how do your colleagues treat you?
1: Um, well, there's been positives and negatives. I've been. I remember I started to work in uh, LVMH in um, w- when I was working in Manchester. I got transferred with the company to to Australia, and um, there was. Um, comments that I was receiving and I was absolutely blown away and not in a positive sense. Um, So I, uh, I remember somebody told me that I was doing this kind of very, um, uh, so re like refurbishing the case and you have to do a little bit painting to the numbers or repainting to the numbers. And I was doing that. And one of the, my male colleagues he came to me and he went, Oh, you should be working in a nail sh- nail polishing shop instead of the so watchmaker. You. You're so good in that. So maybe maybe that's something okay. that you should consider. I just uh, right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, maybe you should be working exactly. in a nail polish shop. So um yeah, so that was something that but in in general there's um I think I've been receiving quite um positive um I've been I've been welcomed um, into the all the workshops that I've been, and obviously in every it doesn't matter where do you work and what kind of work environment there is, but there's always people that don't necessarily get along that well, regardless of the gender. So
0: you have to be diplomatic and and uh, have sisu to go forward in those situations. <laughs>
1: absolutely and then maybe the fact of uh, the nordic straightforwardness that is that's a good trade as well in that situation to kind of say things back
0: that's right <laughs> that sounds really good yeah now so you actually then have been working for very prestige watchmaking companies for 10 years lvhm mm. and then here uh, in australia for watch. so out of those 10 years that you you've been there what do you think your you know most successful moments have been and how do you deal with them with your Nordic nets and on the other hand then what have been the low points and how do you actually survive them?
1: Well the success point I think I was working in uh, LVMH in Manchester and um, because they kind of like started uh, doing more work with the school so we were the first year when I graduated that was 2010 so we were the first four watchmakers that started to work with the LVMH in that point straight after the graduation so then they started to do from there a um, summer school so um, the Finnish watchmakers were coming there for working for six weeks or so. So they wanted somebody to come and tell about their experiences working in Manchester to the Finnish Watchmakers School. So they invited me. So that was definitely something that I really kind of, I'm still cherishing that because the fact that I get to go into my old environment and tell about my experiences. I saw myself as a, you know, um Example. Mentor, maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I saw myself as a mentor. So that was definitely something that I do still cherish and think about. Low point. Well, definitely what happened to me recently. So um,
0: yes. Tell us about it. So you you were on maternity leave.
1: I was. Yeah. So I was. Um, my first born son was born in the first of December. And I was on a maternity leave and I was planning to go back to my work on in the end of the year, this year. So or, um, October, November. So that was initially my idea. And um, I was called into a um, meeting and it was actually the operation manager from all the way from Melbourne. And I thought, all right, well, that's a little bit bizarre since it was March. And I just thought I still got maternity leave. Quite a bit to go. I wonder why do they want to meet me? And I was a little bit like annoyed. Me, you know, I'm still in a maternity. I'm not going to go back yet. And um, went to the meeting, and I saw a um, operations manager and also a HR manager. And I just thought, all right, shoot, this is not good news. And um, sat down with them, and yeah, so they decided that um, the operations from my behalf and for other colleagues from the workshop were moved from uh, Sydney to Melbourne my position went there at the same time so I didn't have a place to go back anymore so that was obviously shock to the system and wasn't uh, positive news whatsoever but um, luckily it did lead into positive things um, afterwards so
0: yeah, so that's mm. um so that's must be a, a big shock of course and quite unusual to happen mm. happen in the corporate world that something like that can happen nowadays. But what was very exciting for you that you then decided to start your own business. Yes,
1: exactly. So um So tell us about that. Yeah, so I was uh, obviously feeling very disappointed about my situation of being made redundant. And then I um, was thinking with my husband, we were talking that what's the next step. And um, He went, well, why don't you start, you know, what you've always been talking about, that you would like to start designing your own watch brand. And I was like, well, I don't have the, I, I definitely don't have the equity for it. I don't have the money to start my own watch brand. And then he goes, well, have you been thinking about this uh, Kickstarter? And I went, what's that? And we start to look into it. And um, it's like a crowdfunding website. So basically, instead of you having the capital beforehand, you actually pre-sell the product to the people who are interested about your your project. So you pre-sell your product and then people um, are packing your project. And with that you actually can place the stock order so that's how it um it works so i just thought that's a fantastic idea because it means that i don't have to necessarily have the money up front so it gave me an opportunity to actually start my own watch brand
0: yeah and i love the name of your First collection is called Alku, which means beginning in Finnish, and I just—it's such a great name for for your first collection. Thank you. And <laughs> can you tell us a bit about more in details about um, what's your brand and what's your what are your watches all about?
1: Yeah, so um, basically, I started when I started the design process. I just I started by drawing. I took a pen and a paper and just literally just started drawing. And I was thinking about what's that I like? What is the kind of features in a watch, in a mechanical watch that I I adore? So I started the whole design process from there. And uh, I one of my training trips, I did training trips to Switzerland whilst I was working with my previous employee. I went to um, this really old it was kind of like a workshop, but also a shop, and I, that was 2017. And I bought this uh, old 1940s automatic watch from there, and I decided to give this watch to my husband as a present on, a, on our wedding day. And uh, I really love the features of the watch, so it's it's very kind of minimalist in in what we know that people appreciate a lot, you know, with our design. So it was a minimalist, but also there's a features of such as the um, dome dial that I decided to use with my design as well. So that was kind of the very inspirational with my design, the watch that I bought for my husband uh, three years back. So I used that as a kind of, I started to when I started to do my um, designs, I used that definitely as an inspiration. I only went, made one size. So the size of the watch is the diameter is 39 millimeters, which is a unisex. Well, it's, it's, it's seen as a dress watch, a male dress watch. But I basically, I just started to do the design thinking about the watch that I like. So when it comes to the size, when it comes to the shape. However, I did want to have some features from the vintage. Uh, style. And what
0: makes your, you know, you
1: you talked about,
0: micro, it's almost like a boutique design for watches. So what makes your design and your brand different than, than someone else's?
1: This brand, what my brand is under, is called micro brand watch. So that means so that you you can say your say that your brand is micro brand watch brand means that you won't be producing more than 300 to 3000 watches yearly it's usually a brand that you got a good story behind and also what how it differs for the let's say macro watch brand which are the, the bigger companies the difference is that you can actually directly talk usually with the founder so for example, now i got the Kickstarter campaign and people are interested about the product and they might have some questions and they can actually directly ask the questions from me rather than from somebody else. So it's, it's, um, it's a very high uh, customer service experience that what a microbrand watch company can offer. So that I suppose it's uh, very Nordic in that kind of sense as well that we do provide a very um, intensive customer service. Yeah,
0: very personalized. Mm. And also, your Kickstarter campaign was very successful, wasn't it? It was,
1: yeah. So, um, I started the campaign, well, I launched the campaign um, on the 1st of August, 10 pm Sydney time. And that was 3 pm in Finland. And in six minutes, I hit the target. And my target was 15,000 Australian dollars. I was absolutely blown away. It was fantastic. <laughs> um and uh, that sounds amazing yeah it was I was uh, it totally um went past my expectations uh, I obviously I did know that there was a lot of interest beforehand people were asking and people were like I have my social media sites and obviously we um uh, me, I'm talking we because my husband was helping me a lot with the marketing work so um well I'm not say we made market research but we did As a watchmaker as well, I I knew about people, the hobbies. I knew about the certain groups in Facebook, for example, that are interested about watches, and I kind of knew where to go and where to start looking, like where where to start kind of introducing my product and word to mouth, or is it mouth to word? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it started to kind of organically it started to build up. So I started literally, when I started my uh, Instagram site, I had two followers, me and my husband, and it's just grown from there. So now we have over 500 people following us and or me. And uh, yeah, so it's it's been fantastic. Absolutely.
0: What an amazing start. And also I, I read about you in Helsingin Sanamo, which is the main newspaper in Finland. So you... Uh... You've done amazing work with uh, getting it started. And also when there's a, such a great start and interest, you know that uh, it definitely will be successful. And Thank you. Now, how do people find you if they would like to join your Kickstarter campaign or follow you on, on social media?
1: Uh, yeah, so I've got on Facebook Galvin Watch Company page. You can find me there. And also Instagram Galvin Watch Company also. And in Kickstarter, company, the campaign is... Still running on the end of the the August, so until until the end of the August, you can purchase the Algo watch. Well, you can pledge the Algo watch, so pledge to my campaign, um, yeah, receive a great Algo watch as a return.
0: Yeah, and they start from was it four ninety nine? You can get uh, one watch.
1: Yeah, at the moment, yeah. That's correct. So I got four ninety nine. I still got so in Kickstarter. The idea is that you have a different pledges, so you have a rewards, and you can pledge for different rewards. So I got um four ninety nine um. Uh, rewards still left, and then I also have um, rewards left for two Algo watches, and yeah, it's just people are really interested about the product, and obviously because the idea is as well that not just that helping myself to actually start my pa- br- uh, brand and um, place my first stock order, but also as a future customer, you're you're invest you're investing to the company in a way that you actually purchasing the watch cheaper that it will be in a retail in the future so anyone
0: wanting to support you can still get a, a watch until end of this end of this month and they look really fantastic thank very uh, elegant thank you and very ageless yes which is uh, of course sign of great design thank you so It's been lovely to talk to you and uh, we wish you all the best of success uh, with your your business and
1: with your life. Thank you so much.
0: Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would appreciate if you would leave a quick rating and review. You can also find Nordic Insights on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Voi Huvin Hadesopra. Take care.